This is Out of Office for January 2014. Goal setting for 2014. Welcome to the Out of Office podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you going? I'm well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? Yeah, very well, and Happy New Year to you. Yes, thank you, and, and to our listeners as well. Yeah, absolutely. So first important question, is it 2014 or 2014? I think either, whatever, whatever rolls off the tongue more easily. Yes, yes, I think 2014 is what I'd say, but 2014 seems to roll off the tongue better. So it is the beginning of the year, and this is a time when lots of people make New Year's resolutions and goals and set up their plans for the coming year. So that's what we thought we'd do today. So it's your idea, Chris. It's a really good idea. So we're going to talk about, in this podcast, a few goals or resolutions that you might like to make uh, for 2014 or 2014, <laughs> and uh, based around your out-of-office work style, because obviously that's our area of expertise and that's what we talk about in this podcast. So things that you can do if you're working out of office, and we're making this broad enough that it applies whether you're a telecommuter, part-time or full-time, or a digital nomad. So we're going to suggest some things and we're going to basically broadly follow the, the structure of the book. The book has eight main chapters, so we've got one idea that you can take from each one of those eight chapters, or if you like, each one of those eight areas. And we are going to make this broad enough that you can choose from any uh, any or all of those eight. So we'd love it if you did all eight of them this year, but of course you can pick and choose and uh, choose the ones that are most appropriate to you. And we have picked some that we think are applicable to pretty much all out-of-office workers. And if you do some of these or all of these, your, your out-of-office work style and your life will be better by the end of 2014. That's our promise to you. <laughs> it is indeed. So <laughs> don't hold us to that. <laughs> All right, so let's kick things off. And and here we're talking about the part-time telecommuter or the semi-commuter. And I've called this suggestion back up to the power of two. Now, if you're a traditional office worker, then there's probably going to be an IT department who takes care of system administration issues like backups and network security. But if you're a semi-commuter or even a full-time telecommuter, then some of that responsibility is going to fall to you. So when it comes to disaster recovery, you need to be taking care of backups. So I reckon you need to back up at least twice, which is why I've called this backup to the power of two. So the first backup you should be taking is just a simple external backup. So those important documents and files that are on your hard disk need to be backed up to some external media, whether it's DVDs or an external hard drive. That's the first backup you need to be taking. In addition to that, I'd recommend that you also take an online backup. So there are cloud services that will back up important files to uh, a server that's in the cloud. And then optionally, you can take take this uh, to the power of three. You can do a third backup, which is an off-site backup. So say your external backups, you can make copies of those and store them somewhere that's off-site. So the external backup... Uh, takes care of things like if you have a hard disk crash then you can ease or you accidentally delete files you can easily replace them from your external backups but if you have a major disaster like i don't know a house fire and your, your home office is burnt or, or theft someone steals all your electronic equipment including your external backups then the online backup allows you to recover from those kinds of disasters and something you also need to consider is Uh, in your backup plans are your mobile devices, so your smartphones or your tablets. And one way of thinking of this is, are you using them in 
in a manner that I would call a cloud device. Now, I don't know if that's a, a term someone else has coined, and if they haven't, I'm going to lay claim to it and trademark it. <laughs> but what I mean by cloud device is that essentially on your smartphone or tablet, you don't have any files or documents that aren't automatically synchronized with a version that's in the cloud. So, for example, if you've got an Android device, there's a, an auto backup feature that will automatically upload any photos that you take to your Google Plus account. And similarly, if you're using things like Dropbox or Evernote, all of those files are automatically synchronized with versions that are in the cloud. So, aim to be using your mobile devices uh, in a as cloud devices, as I've just described. Um, and then in addition to that, there are apps that will do some explicit backups from of files that are on your mobile devices. So the goal here is to be able to quickly and easily recover from minor setbacks like hard disk crashes or accidentally deleting files, but also to be able to completely recover from major disasters like a house fire or, a, or theft. And the process for achieving that goal is to regularly is to schedule some regular backups of your hard drive on your PC. And you can use tools like CrashPlan uh, that will take care of both the external and the online backup. And there are other tools as well. And you should also be using your mobile devices as cloud devices. I'm really glad you picked this one, this goal here, Chris, because it could have been a number of things that you picked from you know, making your life more convenient. But I'm glad you picked this one because it's one that's not often visible because you, you don't realize you need a backup until you actually need it, until there's a disaster. And a lot of people don't do enough backing up. So I think it's a really good one to start with. That's right. Yeah, I think, I think in the book we say there are two kinds of people, those people who do backups and those who've never had uh, a disk crash. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I've never had a disk crash, but I do do back. Do yeah, do yeah, and I'm in the same position. I'm glad that I can recover within a day if even a major disaster happens. So let's move on to the next one. So the next one is all about cooperating with people. And uh, you're going to have to do that anyway with whatever kind of out-of-office work style you have. You're going to have to cooperate with people. And so I want 2014 to be the year that at last you get your email under control because email is probably the, still the biggest business communication tool. And it's a, for most people, it's the biggest problem that they have with their productivity. And so what I'd love you to do is to get your email under control this year. So the the main thing you have to do is get your inbox under control. And there are a number of tools that will let you do that. But I think the simplest one is to have a principle of inbox zero. So in other words, have nothing in your main inbox at all times. So every time you check your inbox, you empty it out. It doesn't mean you action everything, but it means that you put things in folders so that you can then come back to them later. And the, the principle around this is that you don't let your inbox set your priorities. Too many people operate based on priorities in their inbox. And you shouldn't do that. So uh, I think the way to achieve that is to actually know your priorities. So know what you're planning to do for the year, for the quarter, for the month, for the week, and then even down to what you need to do today. And then make that those your priorities. And as things come into your inbox, decide whether or not they will help you achieve those goals for the day or the week or the month or the quarter of the year. And if not, uh, make sure that they become a lower priority. So the goal is, and uh, you know, there are any number of goals you could set around this, but I reckon a really useful goal to set is that every week, at the start of the week, set five top goals that you want to achieve for the week, and then make sure that every week you do achieve those goals. And along the way, uh, to prevent email from being a problem, get your inbox to zero every time you check it, which means that you check it, file things away, and then you're down to zero, and then you decide what you're going to do with the mail that comes in. 
So it sounds easy, and actually it's, it is surprisingly easy, but also surprisingly powerful. Yeah, it is. I, I certainly do uh, several of those steps that you've described, Gihan, and as you say, it's it's a simple process, but it's really it really helps with your productivity. Yeah, and, and psychologically, as much as anything else, that every time you open up your inbox, mm. there's a, there's only a few messages there, and it only takes you you know a minute at most to clear out those messages by filing them away, and then psychologically you can have a breather and you go, okay, now I've got an empty inbox. Absolutely, yes. I occasionally catch glimpses of other people's inboxes, and I recoil in horror. Okay, so let's move on and. The next section is for your comfort. So if you're a full-time telecommuter like me, I'm going to suggest that you enroll in a MOOC, which is a massive online, sorry, it's a massive open online course. And uh, you and I both enrolled in MOOCs in 2013. And they're an emerging trend in online education. So one of the largest providers is Coursera. And I think they've attracted four or five million enrollees to their courses. Uh, A newer one is edX. And they've had uh, between one and two million people enroll in their courses. So they've already attracted millions of students. And the reason for recommending them uh, for telecommuters, uh, for your comfort, is because they're a really good fit with the out-of-office work style. So the same kind of flexibility and freedom that's afforded by out-of-office work um, fits with MOOCs in that you're free to consume the course content um, in a time and in a place that suits you. So as, I, as I've mentioned, there's, there's quite a few providers and there's a huge variety of topics being offered by them. So you're sure to be able to find a topic that's relevant to you And the different providers structure their courses differently. So you need to choose one that's a good fit for you. So Coursera, for instance, I I did one of their courses in 2013 or 2013, and it was was quite well structured. It was an an eight-week course, and each week there was a test that had to be performed, and that had a deadline, and there were a couple of assignments also with deadlines. So it was was quite well structured, but other providers uh, are much, much more... much freer in the structure of their course in that you can consume the content at any pace. So choose one that's going to work for you. And finally, know what it is that you want to get out of the course. So in the first instance, there's going to be an education opportunity, but there's also the experience, if you've not done a MOOC before, there's the experience of learning how MOOCs uh, are put together and, and how to engage with them. And finally, if you're looking for some kind of professional certification or qualification, do a little bit of research and spend some time making sure that if you complete the course, uh, is that certification a qualification from a reputable institution and is it going to be recognised uh, by other people? Yeah, great. And in, in addition to the two that you mentioned, Chris, I'm going to also mention the one that I did some courses with last year, which is on a much smaller scale and it's Australian-based. It's called opentostudy.com. So open and the number two and then study, opentostudy.com. They have smaller courses, shorter courses, less intensive courses, but they're a really good way to get started with online learning if you want to dip your toe in the water first. Yeah, great, great. So uh, the goal here then with MOOCs is uh, firstly to learn about MOOCs, to become familiar with them. And also, as Stephen Covey put it in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, to sharpen the saw, so to improve your expertise. And the process for achieving that goal is to review the MOOCs that are available, find one that's suitable for you in terms of the things that I've just described, enroll in it and 
participate. I'm not saying that you necessarily have to complete the MOOC, and in fact, 90% of people drop out because there's a relatively low barrier to entry. People are still just testing the waters and becoming familiar. So participate to learn how MOOCs work, and then later on you'll be in a position to engage with them really well. All right, so let's move on to the the next area of working with other people, which is collaboration. So we talked about cooperating. So the next goal I'm suggesting is to get good at video conferencing because that is another emerging trend in online communication. So it used to be that you used to meet in person or you used to do teleconferencing if you wanted to actually have a meeting. But now video conferencing, the technology has become so good that it's not only feasible, but sometimes it's actually the preferable communication channel. So compared to, say, email, which is not synchronous, so you're not doing it at the same time, so it's deferred communication, uh, compared to teleconferencing, where you don't get to see people's faces, you just get to hear their voice, and compared to in-person meetings, which are pretty good, but it means you have to get there and you have to have everyone in the same room. And also, in-person meetings can sometimes be a little bit less efficient because there is the time to get there, people to tend to chat informally, whereas video conferencing people tend to be on task so get good at video conferencing and it does mean that you may need to learn a little bit more about that and be good at the the preparation for it and also the actually running the video conference well but one of the things you should do is actually look at adding video conferencing to your suite of communication tools so i reckon if you're looking for a goal for the year look at all the video conference, uh, all the meetings that you're currently doing, and consider whether one of them could be converted into a regular video conference uh, instead. Just try it out. And also, if you've tried video conferencing before and you found that it's been a little bit clunky and a bit difficult to use, just pretend that, you have, that you've never done it because uh, that might turn you off and you might be surprised to find just how good video conferencing software and hardware is now and how easy, how easy it is to do. Very good. And this section is called Letting the World. It's really specifically about letting the world know about you and what it is that you do by developing brand you, so your personal brand. And that's particularly important for out-of-office workers because there is the insidious out-of-sight, out-of-mind factor that you have to work against. And so developing and projecting your personal brand helps uh, to overcome that out-of-sight, out-of-mind factor. So start off by asking yourself, do you actually have a personal brand? And if you don't, then spend some time identifying um, how it is you want to be seen by your clients and colleagues. So, for example, are you the, the go-to girl or go-to guy for a particular kind of work? Or do you have some experience or expertise or education or endorsements that will help you build or identify a personal brand? If you have one already, then review it. So, has your personal brand evolved or changed? Or, or would you actually like to, would you like to change it? Would you like it to evolve in some way? So having thought about your personal brand, the next thing you can do is plan how you're going to project it uh, over the coming year. So a good tool for that is social media. So you should be regularly blogging. So that's a good way of establishing your credentials and your expertise in a particular uh, particular area. Tweeting to your followers, so sharing sharing with them useful articles or links to useful articles that you've come across is a great way of um, letting your followers know that you're keeping an eye on a particular uh, a particular topic or a particular area and that you're filtering that for them. You can also use Google Plus and Facebook in a similar fashion. 
you should look at your review your LinkedIn profile and, and is that in line with the personal personal brand that you want to project and you can do other things like you can uh, buy a vanity domain name that uh, is in line with your personal brand you can have a sign you can update your email signature so that it tells people something about your personal brand and finally and probably most importantly is actually to be your personal brand so there has to be some substance behind the personal brand that you're developing so it's no use me saying uh, I'm a data visualization expert if I'm not actually doing some data visualization work, actually have got some substantial experience behind the personal brand that I'm developing. So the goal here is for people to know your personal brand, to know you by that personal brand, and the process is to either identify and review what your personal brand is, then to project it using things like social media, and finally to be that personal brand by, by doing things that are related to it. I really like the process there, Chris, because building a personal brand is not something where at the end of the year you can say, yep, this is actually right. Or, you know, it, it's a it's something that's a bit subjective. But I really like your process of saying, OK, well, the way you do it is by blogging, tweeting, consistently building your reputation one step at a time. And eventually people will say, yep, you're the go to guy for data visualization within the organization or externally. And uh, I think it's just a matter of doing the process. Yep. Great. So the third part of the book is about digital nomads. So these are people who aren't telecommuters, but they're not bound to any physical location. Now, not everyone's going to be in that position, but the three goals that we've chosen in this area are goals that are broad enough that even if you're not a digital nomad, you can still make use of these. And these are still worthwhile goals for you, regardless of your position, where, where your home office is, or even if you work in an office. So the first one is to go paperless. So people have been talking for decades about the idea of the paperless office and it's yet to come to fruition, but it's probably closer and more feasible now than ever before to the, the idea that you don't need any paper because everything's stored digitally. And the idea of going paperless, obviously there's some benefits of saving paper and uh, saving the rainforests, but it's not really about that. The main principle is to convert everything that you've got into bits rather than atoms. So in other words, when things are digital, it's so much easier to manipulate them. So it's much easier to store them, to search them, to, to edit them, to do backups, as you mentioned earlier, to pass them on to other people and share in other ways. Um, and obviously, you've also always got them at your fingertips. So if you've got all your documents on your laptop, you don't need to refer back to something that's in your office or that you may you don't need to go back to your office to do work. And of course, it also has another benefit that you don't have as much visible clutter around. You don't have a, an overflowing paper uh, inbox, a physical inbox. You don't have files on shelves that, are, that have been gathering mold because you haven't got around to, to dealing with them. They're, they're files on your computer which are gathering mold because you haven't got around to dealing with them, but they're not visible. So as, as a result of that, uh, you may be surprised just to, to realize, uh, until you do this, you don't realize how much more portable and mobile you become just by going paperless. So if you do decide to become a digital nomad, if you're not one already, then it's so much easier. You've already put the steps in place to do that because you've got all your stuff available digitally. And even if you're not, uh, even if you're a full-time office worker, but you need to occasionally travel for business, for meetings, for conferences, or even if you don't want to check your email and do a little bit of work when you're on holidays, having all your material digitally rather than on paper just makes it so much easier. So, so just get into the get into the habit of doing things like uh, just you know make getting rid of as much paper as possible. So, get your paper bills delivered by electronic form um, if you can. 
and some or some companies will actually uh, give you a discount if you do that because they don't need to send it out to you by paper. If you do have stuff that's still coming in by paper then you and there's nothing you can do about it, then scan them as they come in and store them digitally. Um, one of the things I do is when I make handwritten notes, even a note from a phone call that I have with a client or a prospect or from a meeting, the first thing I'll do is take a photograph of it and then store the photograph and throw away the bit of paper. So I've now got the photo, I've now got the notes digitally or even better if you're comfortable with using note-taking tools on your phone or your tablet, do that so that they become digitally um, immediately. They become digital immediately. I've get used to using PDF instead of paper. So if you've got a web page or a receipt of something that you've uh, got from online shopping, then save it as PDF rather than printing it. And, uh, and also, once you start using PDF, just learn how to add your signature to PDF documents so you don't have to print it just to then sign it and then post it back because then you lost, you've lost the signed version of it. Uh, there are very easy tools available for you to automatically sign or add, add or annotate PDF documents, which means that you still end up with the, the digital version. So I reckon your goal should be that all your regular sort of paperwork is digital so that everything that's coming in regularly and you know is coming in regularly comes in digitally so you don't get it in your in your post box or through other paper forms anymore. And I reckon the process that you go through to, to achieve that goal is that uh, you don't have to do it all today, but as every piece of paper comes in, just have a look at it and figure out, first of all, how you can make that digital because that solves the immediate problem. And then secondly, is there a way that you can prevent that piece of paper or the similar piece of paper coming into your life ever again? And if you can, then put the process in place to do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm starting to do this too, Gihan. And once you start doing it, it you really realize, why, why haven't I been doing this for longer? Okay, so this this next section is called Accommodate Them for the digital nomad and one way that you can accommodate the people that you work with is by migrating to the cloud. One of the principles that uh, we have in the book is as much as it's practical use the cloud for collaboration and what you can do is that examine the ways that you're working so if you're still doing things say the old-fashioned way in quotes so if for instance you're emailing attachments to other people, think about well could this be better done by using a cloud service so could you instead be uploading that document to a cloud service and then using the, the tools there to share that with the people that you were going to email or just sharing with them a link to that document. Uh, that's a, a much easier way of collaborating and accommodating the, the people that you're working with. And, and an example of this was that a few years ago, uh, I moved all of my email contacts, calendar and tasks to Google, so basically to the Gmail cloud application. And that meant that... Uh, I could access all of those services and content um, either from my home office desktop PC or when I was traveling, I could use my smartphone or tablet to get to them. And if I was in a client's office, then I could easily, again, get to those services and content from, from their network. More recently, I've started doing what Gihan has just described. So as part of going paperless, um, not just making things digital, but also making sure that they were stored in the cloud. So I'd upload them to folders in Google Drive. And then if, as well as being paperless, it also meant that if I wanted to share those documents with other people, I was easily able to accommodate them by using the tools in Google Drive to share them and to, to send links to people as well. So the goal here then is to have the content and services that you use be online in the cloud. And the way of getting there is to basically review the ways that you're working. And if you can identify a cloud-based alternative to 
what you're doing at the moment, then try and switch to that. And again, Chris, I really like that idea. And I'm going to take away something from that for myself as well, because you're quite right, like having things in the cloud not only makes it easier for you to work with other people and accommodate them, it makes it easy for you as well. Uh, and I find occasionally I still have documents on my PC that aren't in the cloud. So when I'm out and about and I don't have my PC, but I do have my phone, I can't get access to those documents. So if I had them online, then I'd be able to access them from all my devices, let alone being able to share them with other people as well. Yeah. Okay. And the last one, the last goal is to meet up. So I'm calling this one Meetup, and the chapter in the book is all about, we call this Embrace the World, and it's all about if you're a digital nomad, take the opportunity to use that freedom to go and work from elsewhere. So I spent a month in Prague, a month in Auckland, uh, and that is possible if you're a digital nomad. Now, not everyone's going to do that, and maybe not everyone wants to do that, but if you embrace the principle that all the things that we're talking about being able to move out of office mean that you have got more freedom and flexibility. Well, what does that freedom and flexibility gives you, give you? Well, it gives you the chance to enjoy the world a bit more. So our last idea and our last goal is about actually taking things offline. The idea is to get, to get out more. I'm going to suggest to you as a goal, set yourself the goal of doing something new offline this year. So couple of examples here. I'll give you a few examples. So you might join a new social club or start a new social club. So you can go to meetup.com where there's a whole bunch of them already available that you may choose to join. And these are people who meet in person. Or you may just create something informally with your friends, like a decide to get together and go out to dinner once a month. Um, if you want to do something about your health and fitness, perhaps because you're going out to dinner more frequently now, <laughs> then maybe you want to start an exercise group or join an exercise group. And again, what I'm talking about here is do it with people. So join a gym class rather than go to the gym by yourself or a group fitness class or go on a fun run or start an indoor soccer team or something like that. Um, and then in your in your professional life, there are other things you could do as well, like go to more business networking events, actually in person, or go to whatever your industry association is, go to some of their chapter meetings or their national conference, or even start a mastermind group with some peers and colleagues that you get together, uh, say, once a month at a, at a restaurant or a cafe and just discuss ideas and help each other. But the idea is to get, get offline, so get out more and embrace the world that way, even if you decide not to go and spend months in Prague and Auckland and other <laughs> exotic places. So I think that as, as, uh, as a goal, broadly, the goal is getting out more. And what you decide to do is up to you. I'm certainly not here to tell you what you should do, but decide on something and make that a goal for yourself. And the process is pretty easy. Just find some things that you'd like to do, talk about some things with your with your partner or with friends, and, and then create something and then schedule it and, and go off and do it. Very good. Very good. So there you have it, Gihan, and uh, our listeners. That's eight suggestions for incorporating your out-of-office work style into goal-setting and planning for 2014. Uh, many of the things that we've covered today are the focus or topic of podcasts that we've had in the past. So if you go to outofofficebook.com, then in the blog, there'll be a posting dedicated to this podcast episode. And in that, we'll include links to those earlier podcasts that focus on these topics. So if there's something that particularly appeals to you, then please use that blog posting to look up the podcast and go and listen to that. And since I mentioned outofofficebook.com, uh, then I should probably suggest a ninth bonus suggestion for your goal setting, and that is to buy the out of office book either in ebook form or in hard copy form. 
and you can find links on outofofficebook.com to do that and read it as soon as possible. So is there anything you wanted to add, Gia? Yes, well, that's a goal that you can achieve today, at least the first step of that. <laughs> Absolutely. We should have put that first, shouldn't we? <laughs> yes. Uh, look, I, I really got some value from this for myself as well, Chris. It was really useful going through the process of thinking about what I would like to do and also just listening to some of the things that you came up with. There's certainly things that I'm going to take away and put into practice myself. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Gihan. So, yes, so it remains to uh, wish our listeners all the best in their goal setting for 2014. Hope they have a productive and prosperous year. And to thank you, Gihan, for your time. It's been an interesting podcast as usual. We'll be back in a month's time with another podcast. So, until then, bye for now. Yeah, thanks, Chris, and bye for now. Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book out of office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice.